Hi, welcome to the Barry Nation podcast, where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. My name is Jason. I'm Natalie. And, and today we've got Christopher with us. Uh, Christopher Baker is a member of our community, has done some amazing things, and today we're going to talk to him about body positivity and uh, just a few other things. Thanks, Chris. Hey. Yeah, you bet. Hey, hey, everybody. My name's Chris. It actually ain't Christopher. Um, so you can, you can just call me Chris. Uh, my name is Chris Baker. Uh, I'm here in Austin. I'm the uh, founder and executive director of a uh, housing and homelessness advocacy and service group called the Other Ones Foundation. Uh, found these guys by way of a, another piece of my identity, which is uh, a feature on uh, season six of uh, Queer Eye, episode eight, Gimme Shelter. Um, I, uh, yeah, and I'm really excited to uh, be here and uh, talk about this stuff. We're so excited to have you. Um, I watched that that season. I remember watching that episode and just being like, oh, a bariatric patient being highlighted, uh, you know, for all of the world to see. Um, and sent you a message, had been some time, which is totally fine. And then we kind of reconnected again. So I'm really glad that we could, you know, get you on the podcast and, and chat and um, kind of talk about the men's perspective of, bari of bariatric surgery and body positivity, body image, and all of that, because it's a, it's a huge piece um, that really does not get talked about. Um, thankfully, we have Jason um, on our podcast to kind of highlight that, but uh, I'm really excited to dive even farther into this um, and, and hear from both of you guys. So um, I'm excited to get started. Are you guys ready? Yes, yeah, ready. All right. Um, so Chris, I just am curious how maybe you you battled or struggled with body image um you know before surgery and you know kind of comparing is it different now or is it fairly similar um how has that journey been for you um well hold on i just had a a dog a dog thing okay. give me one second i'm sorry Are you having bariatric or revision surgery related to other weight loss procedures and feeling nervous about the post-surgical pain management? Check out yourxfactor.com to learn more about steps to take to prepare yourself both physically and mentally for your surgery. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question and there's, it's kind, there's kind of a lot to unpack with that question. I, I will say this. Um, you know, going into kind of like that uh, series of decisions that lead somebody to going and getting this procedure, uh, part of that for me wasn't, wasn't really about body image um, so much as it was about like health and like quality of life. Um, and it wasn't really until after the surgery that I was able to sort of confront some of the like really serious sort of like body image and body shame issues that I didn't even really realize I was, I was experiencing. And as, and as a guy, you know, uh, it's not really something that we talk about much or we try to really allow ourselves to, 
to um, sort of embrace or or try to like be okay with correcting. So like, you know, I was very sort of adamant going into, into the process that like, this is just about health. This is about quality of life. And those things are very true. Like, don't get me wrong. Those, those are like very true, but it was, and it was actually, um, and, and you know, I, 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 I hesitate to talk too much about this, but it actually was sort of the, the queer eye thing like that really helped me work through some of that stuff and re realizing that like, I spent all of my time, uh, I spent like all of my physical space trying to make myself look smaller all the time, trying to like sit in ways that I would look smaller and trying to like um, take up as little space in, in, in a room as I can, or like not, you know, sort of what, what, like walk the long way around instead of trying to like walk between people. And it was actually tan, who like started pointing that out to me and like not even on camera, like he, he, he was so cool. And like, he would point these things out to me and a little, a little of it made it into the show, but very little of it, but he would, he kept pointing it out to me and saying like, dude, you are like a normal. I mean, at the time I was still very overweight, but like he, he was like, dude, you're like a normal size guy. And he, 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 he said something to me that I hadn't thought about which was that like sometimes people will have like when people lose a lot of weight they have like this phantom weight that's still there like there's like the um like if somebody gets like gets an arm cut off like sometimes they'll, they'll their brain is still telling them that they've got an arm there so they call it like a phantom limb and the same thing can happen like with our with our bodies and so it didn't it wasn't really until he started pointing some of that stuff out and I started noticing those behaviors that I'm, that I'm, that I'm doing all the time. And like all this, like sort of this, like sort of shame. And I, I'll, I'll tell you this. And uh, I mean, you know, I'll just dive right in with it. Like I didn't take my shirt off in front of my wife even for years. And after we got done shooting that day that it was over, cause like they like you get sequestered, you know, like you're not allowed to see your family for like a week or whatever. And so like that day we got back and the first thing that I did, like when, when all like everyone went away and like, it was like, like all the cameras and all the crew and cast all left. The first thing I did was I went into our room and I just took my shirt off and I was like, it's totally okay. And my wife who's like never had any like body image issues or like any weight issues or anything was just like, yeah. So, so, you know, and, and then it, and then now, you know, I, I, it's like, I have this like weird relationship with, you know, I, I work in a, I work in a field that like serves marginalized people. And I like have that in my mind at all times. And it, and it is, it didn't really become clear to me as like a as like a long time fat person and, and then you know becoming a thin person it it never really occurred to me that like fat people kind of are like a marginalized group um in 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 a way and there is i'm noticing that there is like privilege that i experience now that i didn't before and look i'm I'll, again i'll just say it all like I'm a white cisgender male like not complaining you know I've got all the privilege in the world I've now got more and noticing that has been a little bit of a struggle honestly 
And so I have, you know, there was one point that like, I, I was, I had been, was feeling really good about my body. I had been going to the gym a lot and I was feeling great. And I like took a picture and put it on Instagram of me without a shirt on. And like, yeah, I've got like some loose skin or whatever, but like, I was feeling really good about it. And I was contacted by some people that were kind of like, that's kind of fucked up, dude. Like you're maybe think a little bit about that because maybe you're, you know, maybe that doesn't make everybody feel great. Hi friends, it's April. We are so excited to officially announce that ProCare Health is the official vitamin of Berry Nation. We were introduced to ProCare Health at the first bariatric society retreat in San Diego, and we have all fallen in love with our product and with the people behind the company. Jason, Natalie, and I have all made the switch to ProCare Health daily bariatric multivitamins, and we are seeing huge results. We invite you to check out ProCare Health by visiting them online at www.procarenow.com and use the code BERRYNATION for 10% off your order. And you guys, this even applies to vitamin subscriptions services. So if you want your vitamins delivered every month or every 90 days, that 10% off is going to apply to that subscription. See what I mean about patient forward, patient centered? ProCare is amazing and we are so excited to be partnered with them. Welcome to the Berry Nation family, ProCare Health. And so that, so that, so that is when, that, that's kind of why when you, when you asked about some of the things that I'm passionate about that I was, I'm, I uh, was, interested in talking about sort of just like the general body positivity community and like navigating that and kind of trying to find, I don't know, my space in that. Well, and the crazy part about that is, is men are to like, I know for my, like a lot of myself, like I, I know a lot of guys that I grew up with, we're not like, we're taught that vanity is not something men subscribe to. Like we don't, we don't fall into that kind of thing. So wanting to do anything body positivity or feeling good about yourself in that way is not something that's celebrated for men unless you want to, you know, be vain, you know, called vain or whatever else that you care too much. But, you know, the fact of like what you said to people contacting you saying that they weren't, you know, very amused with the picture that you were taking or posting it, you know, confidence is going to look different for a lot of different people. Just because, yeah, and, and you can't tell somebody else how to feel confident or how to celebrate everything that they've been through. So we had a, a similar situation whenever we were in, we did a big uh, bariatric retreat in Orlando and we had a pool day. And there was another man in the community, his name is Dalton, and he's lost significant, almost 300 pounds. And he has a lot of loose skin and he, he rocks no shirt all the time. And he was in the pool. And no, I've not, I haven't told anybody this. And it was something that only I picked up on that day in the pool. I watched a guy walk by, an older man. He looked down and was like, fucking disgusting. Uh, and I turned to him and it took everything in me not to bounce out of the pool and run up on dude and tell him all about himself. But I was, you know, it was kind of a, a professional setting and I wasn't going to do that and ruin everybody else's time. But it was so aggravating to see somebody from the outside judge somebody so hard because they would have said this like in my mind he would have said the same thing if my man was still 500 pounds if he was 500 pounds without a shirt on dude still would have talked shit so at my in my mind i'm thinking i'm like at what point is it okay for somebody to celebrate how they're living and you stay the hell out of it why is it everybody else's do they feel like it's their position to be able to say something about how somebody else is living yeah amen amen and and i and i like 
that's kind of where I, I landed on this, on this, on this thing uh, too, which, you know, was that I, I, I have no, I have no like interest in like further marginalizing anyone. You know what I mean? Um, but like, yeah, it's okay. Like, I'm like, that is cool, man. Like I went from not being able to like take my shirt off in front of my wife to being cool doing it. You know, I have a, I, I don't know, like six or 7,000 Instagram followers. Like that's not like a lot of people. And that to me is like, is, is, is about, is about me. You know, it's not like, and it's about me and it's about what I get comfortable with. It's not about trying to put anybody else down and, you know, and I, but like ha having, having kind of like gotten that reaction was just like, it was really startling to me, you know, like, um, you know, me sort of feeling, feeling good about myself and, and feeling, you know, comfortable sharing that it's just, it's not an, it's not an affront, you know, against, against anybody else. And, uh, it, it, you know, and it's, and it's not, and, you know, I, I guess like sort of the underlying sort of sentiment behind sort of some of the feedback I got was that by celebrating the fact that I've been able to get to this point in my journey that it's um, somehow saying that the person or the body that that was in before wasn't beautiful or wasn't. And, and, you know, and this is a thing that I, that I, that I come across a lot. Like I will occasionally, and I, I used to do it more. I do it much less now, but occasionally do like, post on social media, like the before and after stuff, you know, and I get like often from people saying like, oh, well, you were, you were perfectly okay before. Um, or like the, both of those people are beautiful. And I, and I'm like, let me, let me, you're just the same. You're the same person. And I'm like, fuck it. No, I am not. And I'm glad that I'm not. Yeah. Because three years ago, I was an alcoholic. I was drunk all the time. I was, I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs without having to stop to catch my breath. I like had no, I like, 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 I mean, I was, I could put on an air of self-confidence, I think, but I, I, for as big as I was, I felt like the smallest person in the room all the time. And I was pre-diabetic and you, you know, like, uh, like for all of these reasons, I mean, just like, just like the, like sort of, well, before I go there, I'll just say that like, I'm glad that like, it's just my quality of life is so much better. And because my quality of life is better, I'm less anxious, I sleep better. And I'm generally just like a happier person playing with my kids. It's just, everything is so much easier. And because everything's easier, I'm so much happier. And because I don't have to be like, I, like I'm not getting sick each and every single month. Like I, you know, I was like two or three times a month, I would have to stay home from work from catching something or being sick. And that's just like, not how my life works anymore. And I'm like, that's fucking great. Like I'm stoked not to be the same person. I appreciate the sentiment. This yeah. is not a thing where it's like, you know, that it's not like to, to suggest that like, thin people are somehow better or more valuable than fat people is fucking ridiculous. And I think everybody can 
agree on that. But um, I, I, I think of it as like a, <clears throat> a, a sort of outward um, manifestation of like a, a series of life changes that needed to happen for me to like live the, the best life and like perform the best that I can for like my family and for my work and, and all the rest of it. And for yourself. I mean, and that's another thing. We have a friend, uh, her name is Maddie. Um, and she spoke at an event last year about honoring your before self um, and saying, you know, look, I, yes, I made this huge life change. I look different now. I feel different because I've also done work on myself mentally and physically that person before is not bad that person before was unhealthy and probably not super happy um but they were not bad and they were they still got us to the point we are at now and also there's a lot in between that happens between the two pictures it's not just a oh okay we're here now this is life like uh -uh, it happened to like I'm you know I'm here now no that little tiny white line an entire lifetime happened like you said you know you're uh you can run up the stairs now you can play with your kids um you know you've got your alcoholism under control like all of those things happened between the two photos and that's what society doesn't even look at well, and when the people talk about, you know, how you were before, like they'll look at the before pictures and they always have something to say. What they don't realize is, is that we as former bigger people can tell you everything about what was going on in those pictures, because there are so few of them that I can tell you exactly at my heaviest picture what I felt like that day, what was going on that day, how my knees felt, how my feet felt. Was there a place for my ass to sit? No, probably not. How out of breath was I? Like all of those things come into play every time somebody comments like, oh, well, you look happy there. I look happy there. That's the key word. I can look happy as shit for 10 seconds while I'm taking a picture, but that doesn't mean I felt happy. You're muted, Chris. <laughs> um, that's so funny that you say that because like I like I, I try to go and find like, you know, before pictures for the, for those things. It's like, why are there no pictures of me? Why wasn't it? Because I was always the guy that said, let me take it. I'll, I'll take it. I'll be the one to take it. And uh, yeah, I, I remember one time like getting on one of the, one of the, like, this was like kind of a, a, a major milestone in like, in like that early stages of change for me was I was, I was getting on an airplane and I, you know, I was like almost 400 pounds and I had, um, my, my son was just recently born and he was like a baby. And so like here I'm like carrying a baby and I'm like getting on an airplane and I'm like this, this, like this, like this big, huge guy. And I've got this baby and I'm like, and I, I was, I was just me and the kid traveling and like, I'm going and I'm like walking down the plane and I just look into the row and I see this woman look up at me and I can just see her face go like, and I don't blame her. Like nobody wants to be in that position. Right. But I can see in her face, it's like, oh my God, this guy. And he has a baby. And I, you know, and I'm a, so I, I mean, I don't know. 
Yeah, it doesn't get much worse than that. That's like the the the, the duality of the worst person flying ever is the bit. Because I mean, that's the thing. Like I'm six four. Even today, I'm six four and weigh three hundred and twenty pounds. So I'm still not any fun to sit next to on a plane. But like at my heaviest, I flew at four hundred and sixty eight pounds at six four. So I look like somebody's escaped gorilla that they sat in the front seat of the plane. I took over the whole seat, top down, like all from the top, the sides, all of it. So uh, I know exactly I drove, man. Yeah, I drove. I swear, dude, like I would my family would go on a vacation. They would all fly and I would drive and I would I would have to like take take two extra days or whatever it is. Like we live in yeah. Texas. We're, we're from New York. I've made that drive like in, in the course of that few years after that experience getting on that plane. I'm, I must have made that drive six or seven times. That's like a 25 hour drive. And I would like drink. I would just like drink coffee and and all the rest of it. But I want to, I want to say this too, because one of the things that, that like I loved about when, when uh, I got that, that original message about, about doing this, which by the way, Natalie, I'm sorry. When that, when Queer Eye first came out, dude, I got like a deluge of messages from people from all over the world. And I tried my best to keep up, but <laughs> I one took of the things that, <laughs> one of the things I, I liked it, that you that you mentioned about it was kind of like breaking down some of that stigma. And I'll tell you this: part of my journey was like I was, you know, I'm like 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 substance use disorder is like a big part of my my history. And um, you know, I, I would I'll tell you this: like at first, like the bariatric surgery did not help. Like it got like I was I was like there was a period of time there that I was I was losing weight, man. I was losing it fast, but I was very I was still very sick. And, you know, I I went I, uh, you know, post uh, surgery and I, I had like kind of been in and out of in and out of like, you know, whatever, 12 step programs and stuff. And then after surgery, I went and um, I, I got I like I. I'll, I'll just say it like this. It's, it's very common. It happens. I fell into some like very heavy drinking, um, post-surgery. Um, and I went and did, um, a stint in a treatment facility came out and I've been sober since, but I have never, I'm very open about this stuff. And I have never, ever, ever, ever had someone say, or look at me funny because I decided to have a medical intervention to deal with a substance use disorder. But when it comes to this other disorder that I had that I chose a medical intervention to treat, it's a little bit of a different thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when people start, you, you, you had those conversations with people who don't know and they and they somehow it comes up or they, they've seen you before or something and they go, well, how'd you lose all the weight? And you go, I, well, I had, I had a gastric sleeve or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever procedure you had. And you see them go like, you know, like, like you're, you're hoping that you're going to, you're going to give them the secret. Like, oh, I just cut out carbs or, you know, yeah. whatever fucking hundred thousand things I tried and wasn't able to do, right. you know, prior to, prior to getting it. But it's like, it's just, you know, it's, it's one of those things that like, if there was a surgery that could treat alcoholism, the fucking line would be around the around the neighborhood, and nobody would think twice about getting a medical intervention to 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 treat that 
that issue, you know? No, it's like telling somebody that they shouldn't have a knee replacement or a hip replacement. Tell, tell Grandpa yeah. Jim to walk it off. You'll be all right. Yeah. Just walk it off. Rub some dirt off. You'll be fine. Like, it's the, the, the fact that, that people get, like, you wouldn't tell somebody to not take insulin for, for, their diabetes, for their diabetes or not have a heart valve replaced. Like, the fact that people can't figure out that it's this, that, you know, that obesity is a, is a metabolic disease that has to have, you know, that, that requires lifelong care and cure is just, it, it's fascinating. And we, uh, we just released an episode, actually, about... Our theme for the month of February is surgery will not be enough. You know, it it is not the only treatment for obesity. There's all these other, you know, eating a nutrient dense diet, getting that resistance movement, you know, working on your mindset, all of that is an adjunct treatment to this, this disease and this other treatment, this core treatment. Um, But we just talked to Dr. Eric Smith. Um, and he put it this way, he compared, you know, the disease of obesity and cancer. When we hear the word cancer, we immediately go, what treatment do you need? You know, what things can we help you with? You know, all the medical world is just like, cancer is so horrible. Let's, let's help you. Let's treat you. When we say I have obesity, it's, oh, well, you could eat less, move more, you know, this is your fault, all of this stuff, right? But if we treat them the same way, if we if we say, hey, obesity is just as, as you know, kills as many people, or like, I don't know if it is as many people, I'm not gonna say that, but kills a lot of people, you know, the disease of obesity. Okay, hear me out. I went into surgery thinking it would be the only treatment I would need to overcome my chronic disease of obesity. About six months into my journey, I realized I was wrong. I was missing community, I was missing education from the experts, and I was missing a safe place to just go and connect with other patients who understood what I was going through. That's why Jason, Natalie, and I created the Barry Nation membership community. It is a safe and inclusive place for patients to gather with one another, to learn from the experts and each other. Check out the Barry Nation community today by visiting HTTPS backslash barrynation.mn.co to see what we have created. In Barry Nation, you belong, and you don't have to do this journey alone. We don't treat it with the same urgency as we do with cancer um, or alcoholism, right? There are so many centers for alcoholism and, and drug abuse and all of that. Obesity just isn't treated the same. I think that's something that's true about a lot of these these conditions that are sort of like behavioral in in nature um, is is that it's always some sort of like underlying something that that needs to get worked out. And that for me was like was the big eye opener. I mean, and I'm sure this is going to sound very cliche, but like getting coming out of surgery in this like sort of uh you know ha- being forced in a way to uh to develop new habits you know and like i mean you know our our brains are our brains are very pliable you know like i don't know if you guys are familiar with like neuroplasticity but like 
the way that your brain and your brain chemicals, th th these, uh, these various neurotransmitters like work on like these reward systems. Right. And so, whereas, whereas like at one time you got your happy chemicals, your, you know, serotonin and, and whatever, like from doing things like, you know, binge eating or, um, more sort of like sedentary ac activities, you know, you like you sort of slowly begin to train yourself, train your brain to get those rewards elsewhere. Unfortunately for, and this happened to me and I think it happens to a lot of people. I think sometimes people, that's, that's why I think it's so common that people wind up with addiction issues post surgery. And, and for me, um, that came in, came into play, but then, you know, kind of dealing with one problem at a time, I've, I've now have, have gotten to a place in my life where, um, you know, the things that have, um, sort of set off the happy chemicals in my brain are things like skateboarding and, um, playing music and, um, hiking and exercise. And like, those are, I'm, I'm like my body, you know, like my, my brain is telling me like basically sending my body the same signals that like a, you know, triple meat, Whataburger with a shake and fries used to send, you know, and that's, and that's like, that's a beautiful thing that requires effort our part to embrace but, and, and so like, so, you know, kind of say, like to say that surgery is not the only, only thing, the surgery helps to sort of force that a little bit, you know, and we, we've got to kind of em embrace it. And I think that like most of us that, you know, engage in any sort of like disordered eating behaviors are, you know, probably like li living with, you know, some underlying unaddressed mental health thing that you know, for a lot of us, like for me, relatively easy to treat, man. Like I am very fortunate for me. I go to therapy once a week and I, you know, try to maintain healthy relationships, try to get a little sunlight in my eyes every day. And I'm good. I know for some people, those, those, these, like those brain reward systems and those neurotransmitters aren't exactly working correctly. And that's a different thing. Again, going back to like, now there's a medical intervention that we need to talk about. You know what I mean? And so like, if that means, you know, antidepressants or something for some folks, which I've been down that road before in, in, in other parts of my life, but like, again, like there's no, there's no shame in that, you know, but it's not ever going to be the only thing. Like any of these behavioral sort of health things, the medical intervention is almost always the tip of the iceberg. If it's alcoholism, like, yeah, detox requires a medical intervention, but there's a lot of work you need to do on yourself in order to make that shit stick. Same thing with the bariatric surgery, same thing with like antidepressants or any kind of like behavioral health stuff. So. Yeah. Well, and the thing, you know, the, the thing like what you were talking about when it comes to retraining your brain for those things it's very hard from the standpoint of we've never done it before so our bodies don't know what it's you know it's weird for us to feel our body calling for movement because we're like well, 
oh, yeah, you used to like that shit. So I don't really, I don't, I don't know that I want to do that. But your body lets you know and know in certain terms, like, well, we want to eat this instead of that. We want to move here where we didn't want to move before. It's not just about getting off work and going and sit down and watching as much TV as you can and plowing through the snacks until they're gone. But it, it's just, it, it's crazy in a way that a lot of people, it's not that we reject it. It's just that we don't know how to accept it. And that's what I th- where I think people have a hard time. Yeah, we, we talk a lot on the podcast in our membership community about head work. Head work is one of the key components of this surgery being successful, right? Like what you were saying, we have to retrain the way our brain and body work uh, because it's been working one way uh, for X amount of years that we talk about like highways, right? Like that's like a high, that's like a 10 lane major highway that our brain has built to the dopamine. Like we know that it works. We can get there at 60 miles an hour. We know how to do that. But as we have surgery and we're working on our, our habits and retraining, I mean, we're building roads in the jungle. We got to like get all the vines out. We got to build the roads. We got to do all of that. But eventually, right, it leads us to that this place of it's fairly automated. You know, we like don't have to think about it as much. Uh, We have more confidence in ourselves because we know that we can do this without thinking as much. There's a lot of things that come with building those habits and retraining our brain. One question I did want to ask, um, because I am not a male person, (laughs) so I'm just curious about what you both think contributes to some of the the stigmas in, in, with men in the community about losing weight or, you know, whether or not to beef up and go like do all the bodybuilding or like, where do you where do you think that stems from or how is that like, have you interacted with that? I'm just curious to hear uh, both of your thoughts. Chris, why don't you go first? You can unmute. Chris, you're You're muted. (laughs) Sorry. I like, I've been like taking a sip of my drink and I I don't want to give like, I'm wearing these headphones. I don't want to give you like that. Whatever time I take a sip of my drink. Um, I think it's, it's, it's interesting that like, you know, the, really the, the only place that we, that we really see men talking about their bodies is kind of like in the bodybuilding community. Like you don't really hear guys talking about their physique outside uh, of, of sort of, of that community. And I, and I think it's great. Like, I think those, a lot of those guys are, um, you know, out there, you know, living their best lives and trying to get people moving, trying to get people healthy, giving people a lot of really good tips about ways to build muscle and, you know, having, you know, more muscle is good. Having more muscle and less fat is good. It's good for your body. Um, And there's, there's no doubt about that. But the problem is, is that there is, there is not you number of who have the type of success that a lot of these guys have without some sort of drug cycle is very, very, very low. And there are a lot of very naturally strong guys out there who 
you know, do it, do it right. And, and look, I'm not even necessarily saying that there's anything wrong with, um, uh, you know, have like introducing drug cycles into your, into your workout habit, not something I would choose to do. Um, you know, not something I would like hope that my like kids or people who I care about would choose to do. But I, I do, I do recognize that like in certain circumstances under in, you know, in supervised settings, like it's not necessarily always as bad as we once thought it was, but there is, you know, like you see these, you see uh, in, in the media a lot, like these, these actors who will go and get like super cut and get like super big, like super fast. And they're all taking steroids. And, and, and like the idea that they're like, the, the idea that they're not is like fucking stupid. And you've got like, you know, like there was this one, there's this one big content creator who was like, huge beefy guy who was like i live off the land i don't, I don't know if you guys are familiar the with this guy king. Liver, the liver yeah, king the guy king. like he's like oh yeah i just i live by these ancestral tenants and i sleep on a fucking hardwood floor and i work really hard and i eat liver and so i'm big and beefy like this and of course like and anybody who knows anything about that world is like why are you even fucking pretending and and i think even some people who know about this world were like oh my God, is this guy really onto something? And then of course it comes out that, you know, he's got, you know, he's, what he's doing it is that he's, he's gone up on a major steroid cycle. And yeah. so we set these, you know, we set these like sort of unrealistic, you know, body image, uh, I don't know, aesthetics out, out into the world. And, and we don't, and we talk about that a lot on, on the for, for women right like that's a you know it's a big it's a big thing um that that i don't know it's a, it's a big thing but we what we hear about it it's talked about it's it's accepted as as sort of a societal issue and it's 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 not really in, in the same in the same way for men and so you know you have a lot of a lot of men out there who were you know choosing to express their gender identity in a in a pretty masculine way and that's totally okay who put it like this like how many how many times have you heard you know a, a comedian or something you know rag on on a guy for like eating kale or uh you know whatever you know or you know doing doing cardio instead of lifting weights or you know and or this guy's a sissy because he doesn't you know drinks diet coke like or you know why instead of the full octane stuff and uh you know the and then i mean look like look out into the look at like in, in the, just look at some of like the popular uh media like couples marge and homer simpson right like or uh uh the other uh the, the family guy i don't know uh, lois yeah. and peter yeah. or yeah you, you know uh, the king of what, what I remember, remember King, all these, but, but you see that, yeah, King, like there's you see that all the time, and you see that like the guy is like a big rotund fella, and that's like totally okay, and then you've got like the little petite woman, and you know, and that's and you know this, I I I I would look at that sometimes when I was out with my wife at places, I'd be like, it's we're like Peter and Lois, or I'd think like everybody's looking at us and being like that guy must be very wealthy. But, um, you know, there's like, there's sort of like, there's, a, there's a, 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 a perceived like masculine quality to not giving a shit about your body. 
Yeah, it's very strange in a way, like what you were saying, that King of Queens is one of the I was actually going to bring up. Because, you know, guys, if it's the big guy that has the hot wife, he's he's dopey and kind of, you know, goofy and it's kind of that shit. Or you got the other opposite end of the spectrum where everybody has to look like, you know, Chris Helmsworth. I've, I've got to look like Thor or Jason Momoa if anybody's going to look twice at me. And if it's a print ad, it's the same way, like Abercrombie and everybody all having washboard ads and all that stuff. What people don't realize is, is that's it's same thing, you know, when, when they talk about females in the female body, like real women have stretch marks, real women have cellulite, real bodies look way different than the print ads. They're not airbrushed. They're not touched up. And men are the same damn way. That's like when the dad bod craze started and everybody's like, cool, it's cool. That's your 20, 30 pounds. I'm like, people look like there's some and people like girls were actually getting shit for people for them saying that out loud like i like a little i like a beefy dude it's it's winter time i gotta get me a big dude so they're comfy and like i don't want to lay on a on a on a you know a pile of rocks like i want a, a comfy chubby dude and people actually were getting you know talked about talked bad about in comments for that stuff on social media and i'm like people like what people like like Bodies are going to be different. If we all look the same, how fucking boring would that be? Like, just let people like what the hell they like and go on about their business. If somebody's confident to walk around at 350 pounds without a shirt on, high fucking five to that guy or that female. If she wants to wear a bikini, like, have at it. Like, I don't give a shit. People give Lizzo a hard time because Lizzo's out there doing living her best life at her size. Guess what? If you're metabolically healthy at that weight, have a blast. I don't give a damn. Like, as long as you're healthy and can do it, do it. Like, I don't understand what the problem is. Agreed. I feel like we could and just it, there. <laughs> right. And, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's just, it's, it's just, you know, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's, it's just interesting. It's a, it's a very interesting dichotomy. Um, you know, the whole, the whole, the whole man, woman thing. Um, uh these the like sort of uh i don't know i don't know the the it's just it's very puzzling the 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 idea that like somehow there is uh it, it's not like masculine to try to try to you know be a little healthier or whatever and you know masculinity is a is a is just a it's a weird thing and it's you know and I think that like we have talked about masculinity sometimes in some circles as though like all sort of expression of masculinity is inherently um, toxic. And I think that like there is certainly like you will hear no argument for me that toxic masculinity is not a thing. It absolutely is. Toxic masculinity is absolutely a thing and it's gross and nobody wants to be around that, you know, to my mind really scream masculinity are like vulnerability, um, honesty, caring, like being willing to show people love, like being able to show your male friends love, being able to show yourself love. Like those, that to me, like, and I, and you know, I, I, I know that like, this is, it's a tightrope walk talking about gender expression for sure. But like, to me, there's like nothing manlier than like, telling people that you love them and that you care about them. And like, you know, that's, th th those are, those are all, you know, things that kind of go kind of right along with um, 
sort of having like a, a positive self image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the best things I've noticed as I get older and you know, mortality plays into things. People start losing people that they love and care about. And, you know, you start losing people in your friend groups or things like that. You start realizing how all this shit we grew up hearing is just ridiculous. Like, if I can't tell my best friend that I love him, like, no other, like, I have a a core group of friends that I've known for 25, 20, you know, plus years. And we all say it. We, we all say it to each other, like, no matter what happens, like, if we're the last time we talk to each other, it's always said. Because we now know how fragile life is and how important these connections are. And you don't ever want anybody that you really care about to go without thinking that that, you know, doesn't exist. So seeing the fact that how those things change and the fact that, you know, it, it's kind of the same vein as mental health for me. You know, you're not supposed to be, you're not supposed to need help. We weren't supposed to need the surgery because that's asking somebody like, you're supposed to just be able to, to, to push away from the table or just eat better, and you know, work out. That would be fine. If you'd go to the gym with your buddies, you wouldn't be big. But, you know, asking for help, telling, you know, being able to, to sit back and have that tough conversation and say, I need help. Or if you're struggling mentally and say, shit, I got to reach out to somebody because I can't do this on my own is something that we never were able to that we weren't able to do like it wasn't something I was brought up knowing that that was okay but I made sure that instilled that in my son who is now 20 years old I let him all all the time we would have conversations like oh do you need to cry it out let's cry it out cry it out go ahead cry as long as you need to cry no I'm here for you while you're crying I'm here when you're done let me know what you need like whatever's going to make it better so he knew it was okay to not only express emotion, but it was healthy to express emotion. And it didn't matter what that emotion was. So, you know, giving the next generation the tools to be able to cope with not only just the tools, but to be able to know when it's too much and to say, I, I need help. I got to have help. That, that's okay, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, man, you're totally speaking my language. That's so cool. I'm... I, you know, I am a, a proud, a proud uh, sayer of I love you to, to, to people all the time. I'm trying to do the same thing. But my, I mean, my son's seven. So see, it's easy with him. We'll see when, when he's like, you know, when he's 15, if he's like, Dad, stop being so silly all the time. It was actually like, really get, cool. My son never did. My son never got like he he never got embarrassed by it. He was always like he he and I was worried that he was going to because my girls did. My girls were like, yeah, that's that's cute. Like no. So I would always be the dad that jumped out of the car when I dropped him off at high school and be like, make good choices, girls. Like all the funny <laughs> shit, just get embarrassed the shit out of them. But my son, was like, like, my son never. He was he was always cool. Like my son never did shy away from it, and I loved that. It's <laughs> it's it's like uh, the you know and the the self-love sort of piece of it is 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 really important too and i think like that helps guide you know we've all made a decision uh that you know is in the best interest of like our health and well-being and quality of life and i uh i have i have but like 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 i'll give you an example like i that i was telling you guys before about like having put that that like a picture up on Instagram and one of my Instagram followers uh, said something along the lines of, 
you know, the trick for you to, to, act, to, to really find happiness is to be able to love the person on the left of that photo. And I'm like, man, that is the, the, the like, love for the person on the left of the photo is why the effort went into becoming the person in the right of the photo, you know? And, and, and like, I love what you were saying before, Natalie, about like, um, you know, sort of honoring the, the, the sort of other version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an important, it's an important piece of it. And I mean, you know, in it, it's, I, I it, you know, and I don't mean to dwell on it or anything, but it's the same thing like with, with me and making sure that I'm, you know, routinely staying connected to, you know, the, the, the person that I am when I like am living in my substance use disorder. Like that's, I got to stay connected to that person because, you know, I want, I want him to stay in the closet like forever. And, you know, I, I think I, I, I think he will uh, at this point, but I, I want to make sure that I know that I know that he's there and that I, I love that guy too. And so in order to show that guy the love that he needs, it's a real easy thing. I just don't go do those behaviors and he'll stay in there. I'll be out here. Everything's going to be fucking a-okay. Right. Because that guy in the closet knew that you were not well and got you to being well. Right. Right. That's the whole thing is like my pre-op self got me to have my surgery got me to where I needed to be to change my life like they're the people who did all the heavy lifting because I'm here now yeah oh that's so wow what a great way to put it hell yeah yeah I mean that's that's really and that's what Maddie our friend really got me to think about when I when I was listening to her speak was like I didn't do anything that girl that person they did it <laughs> like they did the hard work they made the phone call they got me to the hospital you know they got on the table i'm living the i'm reaping the benefits at this point so why wouldn't i love that person that got me there yeah so what was your uh surgery experience like I'm sure that you guys have like talked about this on the podcast before. So if you want to just blow over it, that's fine. I'm just, no. I'm just, just curious. Um, well, Jason and I have very different stories. Um, mine, I've actually had three bariatric surgeries. Um, oh, wow. I, had, I had my first two surgeries uh, failed me medically. Um, I, my first one, I had the lap band and uh, it did not work. It caused me some pretty hefty complications. Um, but I was like 350 pounds by the age 15, like I needed help. Um, and at the time lap band was kind of like what VSG or the sleeve is now. Um, so lost a ton of weight, ended up having complications. Uh, and then I had, it's not very popular, but it's called a plication surgery. And it's really meant to kind of keep off the weight or like, if you only have like 20 to 40 pounds to lose, then you use that tool. What, what does that do? I call it like a pseudo sleeve. So uh. it like they, instead of removing the, the stomach, they just kind of like sew it into that sleeve shape. Mm. Um, so it's really based on restriction and not so much like 
hormones and getting, you know, really changing your anatomy. Um, felt no restriction. So I gained all my weight back and then some. Oh, bummer. Turns out, so I found my, my new, my surgeon that I had my VSG with. Uh, he's in Mexico. So I had surgery in Mexico. So my experience is totally different than everyone. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I got out of surgery and my surgeon's assistant said, did you know that your sutures had come undone? No, I had no idea. So I had been living my life with a surgery that didn't even work, like wasn't even done properly, which I don't, it's taken me a long time, but I don't blame that surgeon. Things happen. It was one of those like fluke things that just so happened to happen to me. Um, but it made a lot of sense. Like all the puzzle pieces started coming together. Like, oh, okay. I didn't like fail. It was my surgery. It was like the surgery that had failed me. Um, so yeah, I've lost 140 pounds since. Um, I'm almost to my two and a half year mark now. Um, and then I I met Jason and uh and April, who is on vacation right now, so she couldn't join us, but <laughs> yeah, that's my synopsis. So you got it in Mexico. Did yeah. you did you how long did you stay in the hospital for? Uh hours. Like um Oh word. Oh, okay. I think I was out by 5 a.m. the next morning. So oh, word. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was great. It was a fantastic experience. Um, shout out to Ariel Ortiz at OCC. Um, he did a great job. His his whole team is phenomenal. Um, and I, I went back to like get checked and like make sure I was good before like coming back to the States and everything. But uh, in t- total time in the hospital was less than 24 hours. Wow. Yeah, totally different. Yeah. Ariel Ortiz, he's pumping those sleeves out. Yeah, you go, boy. <laughs> yeah. He's I, uh, I, I had quite a bit of a different experience. I, I was one of the people that I was lucky enough to not battle with weight uh, issues all my life. I, as a child, kind of did the grow up and out kind of situation. So I would be big and then I would get tall and skinny. And then so I realized that after I got married uh, in 2001, I was like 225, kind of had a little bit of a pudge, but nothing crazy. And then come 2007, I gained 130 pounds in seven months and realized that my um, that my thyroid had just stopped just had not been working like nothing, like everything in my metabolically had gone haywire. And so after that 130 pound gain, yeah. Oh yeah. No, my thyroid was, I blew it out completely. They were like, yeah, there's zero function. I was like, Oh, well that's a problem. So we kind of go that route and I just continued to gain, continue to gain. We couldn't get my thyroid under control with medication or any of that stuff. And then, um, you know, by the point of 2019, I was at my highest weight of 468 pounds, uh, having major blood pressure issues. Like highest recorded blood pressure for me was 217 over 179. Um, 
Oh yeah, they, I I, t- I drove myself to the ER because I, I told at work I was like I'm not really feeling too hot. I was like I probably better go get this checked out, and they gave they took my pressure. They were like, um, how did you get here? I was like I drove. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like like in a car, like drove. And they were like, how about you lay down before you fall down? And I was like, I actually feel okay. I was like I'm just kind of a little little lightheaded. And they were like, uh, yeah, because you got no blood left. It's all flowing through your veins at high speed. So, um, you, you know, dealing with those types of things, and I realized that. I, I was no longer medically, you know, metabolically to a point that medication was going to help me not die. And my primary care doctor looked at me in my face because she knew that I just had grandbabies. And she was like, you know, at 44 years old, you're actively dying. Like, you're not going to make it. Like, this is not something you're going to live through. And hey. that to me was the wake up call. Like, I've told the story before my son, you know, who I just talked about was going on college tours and he wanted to go see UCF because we, we live in Florida. And so he wanted to go to central Florida and, and look at UCF. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like, let's go do that. And I, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, that's no problem. Not thinking that I can't go, you know, 25 feet from my front door to the car without, you know, being out of breath. And I'm trying to make it through this college tour and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm having to take breaks every 10, 15, 20 steps because I just can't do it. It's in the middle of the summertime. It's Florida. It's not cool by any means. So I'm, you know, and I'm struggling to the point that I legit thought I was going to pass out or worse. And I knew like, I'm like, none of these people can either, you know, that you guys can't even help me up if I fall down. So I'm in a real big, I'm in a, in a, in a big problem here. So we get to the point where we were inside looking at the dorms and I've realized we're not even a quarter of the way done with this tour. And I can't like, I'm soaking wet, sweating, just feeling horrible, like seeing black spots, knowing I, knowing I wasn't going to make it much farther. And so it was air conditioned inside the dorms. They were like, sit on this couch, don't move. We're going to finish the rest of the tour. and we'll, we'll come back for you later. And I was crushed because my whole identity at that point was being a father to my kids who I love to death. And how do I explain the fact that I can't even do something simple like this? And he was so excited for this weekend. And in my mind, I'm like, not only have I let him down, let the family down, I ruined the whole trip. Like, how could I do this? And it was directly after that and having that conversation with my primary care doctor that I went ahead and signed up to get this done because there was no way I was missing out on the rest of his life. Like, and I think back to all the things that I didn't do or couldn't do for him that I wanted to. And I just, you know, I I felt like I had robbed him of so much that now as he's older, like there's uh, any chance I get to do anything with him or for him, I'm, I'm all in because I know I missed that time. Dang. Yeah. yeah. And my, and my, my surgery, like, I was one of the very, very fortunate people to not have any issues post-op. I had my surgery and I was back at, I was gone the next morning. Um, kind of like that. I spent a little over 24 hours in the hospital just because it took them so long to process my exit paperwork. <laughs> but I, uh, I mean, I was the, the only reason I took six days off of work was because two of those days were already my regular days off. So I was back at work. I mean, I do, I, I, I push papers. I am in no way a manual labor guy <laughs> at this point in my life. But uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a very simple kind of breeze through it. So I was fortunate in that way. Nice. I had a I had a trip. I took a trip with my family. We went to again, we live in Texas. We went to Virginia. I got a bunch of family in Virginia and like we went on a uh, 
this is not like this is i you know that like i don't, I don't want to compare apples to oranges here but like we went on a trip and uh we went to uh uh i can't remember the name of it but it was like one of those theme parks i got like roller coasters and stuff and like i went to go like first thing like first thing we did everybody went to hit the roller coasters and they were like the big people chairs are in these rows and i was like well i'll just go get in those rows and i got in like the fat people like the the chairs like that are you know for plus size folks and i uh man even that like i I went and got in it and that shit wasn't wasn't about to clip close and i was like oh man and i didn't even you know like the whole the rest of the day i was like no y'all go i'll just i'm just gonna kick it back here like i'm good my wife was like, so she just felt, she was so, it bummed her out so bad, you know, she felt so bad for me. And I was like, trying to be, oh, it's cool. It's really, it's fine. And really, honestly, it was fine. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not, you know, roller coasters are fun. Don't get me wrong, dude. Major, what, what do they, what do they call it? Non-scale victory? Like, yes. getting on a roller coaster, bro? Like, that, that shit's super fun. But like, at the same time, like, not getting on a roller coaster is like not that big of a deal, but just knowing that you've gotten to a place where you can't even get in like the big people's seats. It's like, that's what's in your, in your head, you know, like anyway. Yeah. I had, I, I too, man, like I had a very easy, it was, it was very easy. So like one of the big things that I like, I hear about from people a lot is that they have to do all this like dieting and stuff going up to it because of insurance or whatever, that whole insurance thing with this, with this is, ridiculous and i had health insurance but i was like fuck all that i i figured out a way uh to self-pay um i I just borrowed a little bit of money instead of going through insurance and i i I figured i'll just i'll i'll pay because the insurance like the poops they make you jump through so i was self-pay and my surgeon was like yeah just like eat vaguely keto for like a week before and and i was like that's it he's like yeah so went in and did this I i was in and out of the hospital though and like four hours like I went in I was I was like and that's why I was that's what that was like why I was asking you how long you were in the hospital for in Mexico because like you know looking on like reddit and stuff that seems to be like a pretty common experience like you go in they're like get them in there get them under the knife get them the fuck out before like you know uh they need any more medication I came home and like my blood pressure that night like went so crazy I don't even remember what it was but it was like scary high and my surgeon had given me his number and he was like, call me if you need anything. So I called him and I was like, yeah, my blood pressure is like crazy high. And I told him and he was like, whoa, that's really high. But I'm not like that kind of doctor. You just need to go to the ER. So I like went to the ER and they, they gave me like some blood pressure medication. And I, uh, you know, yeah. And that was, that was pretty much it. That was the last time I saw my surgeon or the last time I ever talked to him. I like had some follow-up visits, but he didn't show up to any of them. And like, like I, like I would go to the office and sit there for like two hours waiting for him and just like, and he called me a couple of times and he felt bad because he was like, sorry, I got really busy. But um, he like called me and like left me some voicemails, but I was like, you know what? Like, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. So Damn, I thought my aftercare sucked. I take it back. Like, I'm going to stop saying that because Jesus. Yeah. I, I was shocked, man. Like when they were like, yeah, you're, you, they were like, you're just going to go home now. I was like, really? Like I can't hardly stand up. You got, was, the, you, know, you got most, the drive-through sleeve, dude. Totally, like, it, and it was all about the anesthesia, the anesthesia. You know, like I was fucked up, and I'm like still, like, you know, you know, coming off of anesthesia, you get real goofy, 
And I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's it then. See you guys later. I'm, I'm still like, <laughs> like, like, oh, lady, your hair is beautiful. Ugh. And she's like, you go, get out. You, I hope you got a ride. Oh, oh my God, that's wild. But I, I mean, I, I consider myself very fortunate. So I was, I was, uh, I was, I was like just shy of 400 pounds when I went in for the surgery. I'm, uh, so I've, I've lost like, like 220 ish pounds. Um, and, uh, I've, you know, managed to like, I was at, and, and you know, go like, you know, good problem to have. Right. Like I, I kind of started getting a little concerned that I was losing. Like I, I, I like my, my goal weight is like now currently like 30 pounds ago. So I'm like, I'm now like trying to inch it back up a little bit, which is, you know, if you did say, if you'd have told me, you know, that I'd ever be like, I, I think I need to put a few pounds on. I'd have told you you were nuts, but it's like, I'm, you know. Uh, if I ever told you that you were those people having problems gaining weight, you'd be like, yeah, not me. Yeah, no, <laughs> never. You know that movie, that Stephen King, that uh, the Stephen King book, Thinner? Thinner. You, you, you know, they made, the, they, made the, they made a really terrible movie out of it. Yeah. Like I, I like I read that book when I was a kid, and then I saw the movie as an adult, and I was like, I remember thinking, like, golly, like this guy's so lucky. He just eat whatever he wants, and he's just wasting away. I like remember thinking, like, I would take, I would take like being thin for two months at the end of my life, knowing that I would get <laughs> two months as a thin person. Yeah. yeah. But. Well Chris, what is, what is one thing um, that you'd like to leave our listeners with, whether it's about, you know, body positivity, whether it's about bariatric surgery, what is one like message you just want to make sure that folks hear? Well, I've got, I've got two. And one is like my standard answer to this question, no matter what the topic is. And the other one is relative to this topic. So I would say this about about this, about sort of like the world of bariatrics. And if it's, if it's, you know, if there are people out there who are thinking about doing it, who haven't taken the plunge yet, um, you'll hear, I think when you ask folks um, about this, the most common thing is that people just say like, oh, I wish I had done it sooner. Um, it, it, good results. Um, and uh, it is, it's a, it's a medical intervention that, that we engage in when we've chosen to love ourselves and that loving, loving yourself is okay. Loving yourself as you are is okay. Um, there is absolutely nothing wrong with uh, being a bigger person, but I will say that um, there is, um, I think, some misguided uh, messaging out in the world right now that would lead you to believe that it is possible to be and to remain healthy um, at, at any size. And I, I, I think that that's just not true. Um, body positivity aside, love yourself, love the skin you're in. You can be, um, you can be, you can be very big and you can be very beautiful. And, you know, I, that's, that is all, that is all very true. Um, I, uh, again, uh, 
went into this uh, primarily for health reasons with quality of life as a, as a secondary thing and with sort of vanity as a, as a tertiary thing. Um, but I, I did not ever expect the level of, in, of improvement in quality of life that, that I got. It, it, it's, 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 it's profound and wonderful and being able to, to move uh, your body in, in ways that you maybe didn't ever think that you might be able to is, is rewarding in a, in a, in a big way. And the, so the joy of, of movement is, is a really uh, important piece of it. Um, so this is, this is not to say that, um, that someone can't be um, big and, and still be healthy. There's plenty of people out there who've got a few extra pounds who are very healthy, ton of them. Um, but if we are suffering from the disease of obesity, that disease is very, 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 very likely to be the thing that kills you. Um, and that's, that, that's, that's un unfortunate. And I know that, you know, it's coming from a place of privilege to say that this is an answer because I know that not everybody can afford it. Not everybody has access to insurance. That's going to, that's going to take care of it. And even when it does, even when you do have insurance, that insurance, those steps, those hoops, they can seem very, very daunting going into it. Um, but it's, it's a, uh, it, it's, it's, it's the, it's the best decision. One of the best decisions I've ever, I've ever made in my life. So if you're somebody out there thinking about it, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure that people, you, you have guests to talk about that all the time. So I don't mean to throw around cliches, but it's a, uh, it's come on in, man. The water is fine. Um, the other thing that I, the other thing, like the, the thing that I try to make my message to the world, anytime I talk about anything, and you, you, this is kind of out of left field, but, um, you know, I run a, a homelessness service organization and we, we deal in, you know, uh, we deal with a lot of, a lot of folks who have, you know, a lot of sort of like the, the behavioral health issues that we talked about a little bit and who are you know, very marginalized. And it's a, it's a, it's a difficult field to work in, but it's also really rewarding. And I was not, you know, I didn't go to college to, you know, run a business or to run a nonprofit or for social work or, or, or for anything like that. Um, I, I, what I've done with my life has been following my heart and, trying to live by the motto of putting one foot in front of the other and doing the next right thing, even if the next right thing is hard. And I, you know, have created a, you know, I, I, I founded and have built uh, an organization that has, has had a tremendous impact on the world. And that's not all me. I've got a really big staff and, and they do uh, a lot of the heavy lifting. And, uh, uh, but but what I what I want people to know about the about the kind of work that I do is that you don't need to ask anybody's permission to do it. You don't need to um, get uh, a license to do good in the world. That there's there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of problems out there that need to be solved, and it's going to take all kinds of people to solve them. Homelessness is kind of what is the problem that I'm working to solve. But homelessness is interesting in the fact that it exists at the intersection of a great many societal ills. And um, so we kind of are, are always working to solve a lot of different types of problems for a lot of different types of people. 
And all it really takes a lot of time to solve big problems is a, uh, is, is a, is a drive to do what's right and just love and, and loving people and showing them unconditional positive regard, no matter what. We're going to solve an awful lot of problems that we have around us with just a little bit of, a little bit of love and understanding. And uh, uh, the point here is to say, I've done, I've, I've had to do a lot of therapy and do a lot of work on myself to be able to acknowledge the actual impact that I've had on the world. Um, and when I step back and look at the impact that I've had on, on the world by way of the organization that I founded and now run, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. Uh, the, the work is, is, is beautiful and rewarding, but I, I, I did it only by believing that I could and by putting one foot in front, of the, in front of the other and doing the next right thing every time the opportunity to do the right thing presented itself. So that's, that's my message, man. Anybody can, anybody can do this. Anybody can become successful in whatever it is that they, that they choose to, um, and, uh, you know, get to loving yourself. Uh, once you've gotten there, uh, loving on, loving on others is really the way that we're all going to change the world and get out of this God awful shitty mess we found ourselves in. Hell yeah. <laughs> yep. I agree. That's, why Jason, April, and I created Berry Nation. We saw that problem and nose to the grind. And we're here trying to spread the love for everyone who did not have a good bariatric experience. It's um, a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's it's pretty awesome when you start really looking at it, all the things that you can do. Pretty rad. Yeah, it's great. Chris, where can people find you? Um, so you can uh, find the work that I do is at um, is on all socials at two found t o o found. So that's like it, you you search that on Instagram or or Facebook or Twitter. It's uh, t o o found. It's short for the other ones foundation two founds um, or uh, two found org is a, 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 for all things website. Um, my, my personal stuff, I'm at it, it, uh, underscore ain't underscore Christopher on Instagram. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's where I spend most of my, my time online. And, uh, you know, I'm here in Austin, man. It's not, it's not hard to find me. We've got, a, we're, we're in the process of building a big 200 unit emergency housing complex in Southeast Austin called the Esperanza community. And, uh, you know, the doors are always open. So we get surprise visits from people all the time. So if you want to, if you're in the Austin area and you want to, and you want to stop by, just go punch Esperanza community into your, into your GPS and it'll bring it to our front door. We'll introduce you to some of the most amazing, interesting and resilient people you've ever met in your life. That's awesome. Well, we're going to be kind of in your neck of the woods in November because there's a bariatric retreat happening. So we may have to talk to you about seeing if you can make a visit there. Oh, hell yeah. In Austin. Now it's going to be in San Antonio, but it's not too far from you. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's like it's like an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd love to. Yeah, send me we'll the talk. send me the deets, we'll, baby. We'll, we'll talk more about that. <laughs>
<laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you uh, spending some time with us to kind of talk about your story and give us all your information. And uh, we can't thank you enough. And to the community, we thank you guys for supporting us in the ways that you have in all the time, uh, whether it's likes, the shares, the subscribes, giving us the, the ratings on the reviews and all the things. We couldn't do what we do without you guys. Uh, you guys help us tenfold from what we could ever do for you all. The support's amazing. And just remember at the end of the day, you've got this, we've got you, and we'll see you next time. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. <laughs>